0: Just as um, we begin today, um, I thought uh, this weekend I've been um, dedicating each day to uh, a friend of the monasteries who passed away on Thursday in in Thailand, and um, I'd just like to give everybody a, a moment here to pause before I start talking just to bring, if you'd like to do this, invite you to bring someone to your mind and heart that you would like to share any good feelings that arise, any goodness that you do today um, that you'd like to share with them as far as sharing the goodness, the merit, the sense of of, of yeah I've done of doing something wholesome. Um, so if uh, just take a moment to, for people who'd like to, to do that to just bring somebody to mind and just hold that intention in your heart and, and reflect on bring them to your heart an image, whatever helps you think of them. Take a moment to do that. It's really um, lovely to be back up in Portland, and we had a really lovely evening Friday night, and then yesterday was. Not a huge group, but it was a very lovely group, and everybody was fully present, and we had a lovely day. I really, I really got a lot out of it, and um, I always enjoy coming up here. I find um, people who come to PFOD are very participatory and willing to share their experiences, and really sincere in their practice. And I find that incredibly, um, yeah, it's inspiring. So. Sikula and I were talking this morning about, Sakula's really into the weather if you didn't know that <laughs> and so she was talking about how usually you can look at weather sites and they have some degree of predictability and it's usually a, within a pretty narrow range but um, she was saying with the upcoming weather events, that it's really quite broad the, the spectrum of what could actually happen based on what they are theorizing could happen and <laughs> And so it brought to mind just uh, one of the Buddha's main teachings is about uh, impermanence and uncertainty. And, um, and we know that, and we hold that, and we think we live by that, and yet I can speak for myself that time and time again I've been a little bit surprised at how tightly I was holding to my idea of how things were going to unfold And so it's pretty normal to do that. And we need to build these kind of structures into our day um, because we do need the structure. We do need the guidelines. But how are we when it doesn't go the way we think it's going to be, especially in the normal routine of our day? How are we with with that? And um, it's a really wonderful thing to pay attention to because... Of course, most of us are not very comfortable with the truth of uncertainty. We, we actually like things to be somewhat predictable. And in many ways, things are somewhat predictable. But one thing that we benefit from in this practice, in learning how to meditate, it's, it's constantly remembering to come back to the moment, to come back to our object of meditation. And... If we keep on with that practice consistently, we're training ourselves. And then this is something that we take into every moment of our day. We find ourselves spinning out. Something's not going as we anticipated. And we remember. We're teaching ourselves to remember to come back, to come back to what's actually happening. Sometimes when things are really spinning, we have to come back to our body because that's a really grounding force. But still, (laughs) we practice, and we still find that we've missed it. We haven't seen how tightly we were holding to our expectation and our anticipation of what was going to happen. Um, Lung Por often tells the story of his early years in Thailand, and his brother is about three years younger than him, lovely person. And he came to visit, and he asked Lung Por Pasano, um, well, so what's the main teaching in Buddhism? And Lumpur thought about it a minute and then he said, Well, impermanence, the truth of impermanence. And his brother said, Everybody knows that. Everything's impermanent. <laughs> and Lumpur at that point was like, That's it. <laughs> I'm not even going to go further than that. <laughs> and it, I was also reflecting on um, this period when our our neighbor who has since passed but and she's the one who gave the property for the women's area her name was mary and when she was in hospital after some surgery that she'd had i was going in every day i was living at the monastery and so i was hearing about reflecting on impermanence and um she finally got out of icu and she was we were at the hospital this one evening and and uh She seemed to be doing really well. She was actually starting to eat some food, and um, I was feeling really happy to see that. And I left, and I came back the next day. And as I was walking in, I was telling myself, don't have any expectations. Don't be anticipating anything. Be prepared for anything. And I came back in the room, and she was kind of had her hands bound to the bedside, and she had a bandage on her head where she'd gotten some stitches, and she was getting a black eye, and she was mumbling incoherently. And it really wasn't prepared for that. And the first thing that came up for me was, all right, I was ready for anything, but I wasn't ready for this. (laughs) I've been duped again. (laughs) And I've found it again and again, sometimes over things that are less kind of, of, you know, don't affect me as much. And you can actually laugh about in the moment. And some things that it's kind of like it really gets you. So just a, uh, I, I think I'm just a, it's an encouragement to watch in our day how we are when, when we're anticipating something and something goes off just a little bit. Um, not what we anticipated. How are we with that? And it's not a judgment. It's like, that was okay that I was not prepared for that. What the important thing was is that I actually learned from it. I actually, it's just more information for my files. Ah, uh, I did it again. I got duped. The mind is always tricking us. We think we're there. We think we're present. And something happens. And then we're kind of thrown off kilter. And so it's not a judgment about I failed. It's it's an opportunity to reflect wow, it got me again. So now I know I have to keep reminding myself. I have to bring that up and I have to bring it up in a way that really takes it to heart. Now, the other thing that the mind does is very quickly, we make these intentions and very quickly it becomes inured to them. It, We kind of lose that sharpness that we have when we first take some special practice on. So I found that over time, first of all, sometimes I'll I'll make it just for a short period so that I don't become kind of numb to it. Because we do we just meditation. How many times do we sit down and we automatically sit, sink and we just go to our breath and then we're lost in whatever, either dullness or you have to you have to sometimes bring different techniques in to to freshen it up a little bit because we're doing it over and over again. And these various practices that we take on in our days, we have to do that too, because the mind becomes really inured really quickly. It's just the nature of the mind. So then we think of creative ways. And so one thing that I do is when I take some special practice on, I define the time, the time frame for it. Maybe it's just going to be for this morning, or maybe it's going to be for this work day. I've taken some practices on for a little bit longer where, um, (laughs) maybe I did it too long, but wholeheartedly um, there was a time when I was very acutely aware of the fact that I kept sticking my foot in my mouth and doing things that were unskillful, and I started reflecting on the consequences of that. And what started to come up over time of reflecting on that was almost this this fear of what I might be capable of doing and how I was going to feel afterwards. And I wanted to I didn't want to really do anything major. The chances are pretty slim because I was living in a monastery. But you know, <laughs> you can it's just a moment you can make a big mistake. Um, but it really was good because that reflection helped me to set a really strong intention. And I was very clear when I set that intention of the motivation behind it. And I kind of just dreamt up on my own. Was, um, I was—I did this whole thing with... I, I had a sage that somebody had given me, so I actually did a smudge with the intention of purifying myself and trying to wash just kind of a physical thing that helped me to express my intention of what I wanted to put down and what how I wanted to start again. And then... I actually started doing some special chants and really reflecting on on Kuan Yin, Tara, and trying to really reflect on compassion and what that was and what that meant. And one of the practices that I took on was... um, One of my struggles in the early days was I really felt like I didn't have a voice. And, you know, we we create these things for ourselves a lot. And so I believed it wholeheartedly, <laughs> and, and it really troubled me. And um, I would get frustrated when these young, young guys would come in, and they would feel, I, I, my sense was that they felt more relaxed, more comfortable, like they had more of a place because it was a male monastery. Now, I look back on that now, and I'm not so sure that was necessarily what was going on, but that's how I was holding it. And so it was causing, I was causing myself a lot of suffering and I was like, I'm going to make a mistake and I'm going to keep suffering and I'm really tired of this. I'm tired of this suffering. I'm tired of the same story. I'm tired of, it's always from this viewpoint. And so one of the things I decided was, um, all right, so when I'm in a situation where people are expressing their ideas or their thoughts and I see something come up really strongly as the way I think it should be, then my practice was to step back for a moment and consider one other way of of looking at that. Now, you know in any situation there's as many different ways, at least, of looking at something as there are people in the room. And because we're coming at it from such different experiences, and sometimes we even have, we're a little bit confused, (laughs) and we have more than one way. But I thought, okay, well, this is a good place to start. Just one other way of looking at it. And I took this on for a month. And it was really, really useful, really, really um, helpful. And it really, what I noticed is what happened is I started, the grip started loosening a little bit. And I was experiencing a bit more peace about things. I still, you know, had to work with a lot of the other stuff around it—the habitual tendencies to feel like nobody listened, or whatever it was. We all, we all have those things that happen in our lives, and they may be true or they may not be true. And um, but we don't have to buy into them. And so this was my effort to stop buying into this story, the story, the storyline that was causing me a lot of suffering. But after a month, I did, I did kind of stop intentionally doing it. And um, there was still, because I had been doing it for a month, that tendency that still came up from time to time, but it wasn't in, in that, that, that sharp intention to do that practice. Um, and years later, there's times I've thought, I should pick up that practice again. <laughs> but I learned a lot from it, and I'd never actually sunk back to that level where I just so f- strongly felt that this was the way to do it, and nobody listened and nobody considered what I had to say. And that has never come back like that. And it was so it was really a useful practice. So I encourage people to take things like that up. And one reason I put it down was because I also noticed that, you know, the mind, get, it gets dull. You have to freshen it up a little bit. So I set time limits on things. And also, I did one other way of looking at it because that was reasonable. So in setting an intention to take up a practice to work with to help me learn to shift a little bit and to open up a little bit, I set a practice that was reasonable that I wouldn't just immediately fail at. So uh, Stephen Levine used to teach death and dying workshops and he's no longer with us, but he used to say don't start with the 500 pound weight, you start with the five pound weight. You start with something that's reasonable. and I'm always liking to, to give people encouragement, things to keep your daily practice sharp. because most of us, even at the monastery, we're not sitting on a cushion all day meditating. Most of our practice is interacting with other individuals, driving our cars, um, could be whatever. Um, and so we, it's really essential that we... Consider ways that help us for a day we do it this way or maybe for a week that help us to remember, to remember, to keep bringing ourselves back, to bring it into everything that we do so that we can actually take on these things that inspire us, that we aspire to, that keep bringing us back to this place of practice, that we can really keep bringing them to heart and bringing them into everything that we do. And that, in turn, feeds our practice Back on the cushion because we're learning to open up slowly. We're learning to reflect on our experiences, to discern what's correct. Is this working? Is this not working? What is working? Why is it working? And then we we benefit from that and we reflect on how did that go? What did I learn from this? So sometimes you take this on. Maybe at the end of the day, if you hold this person or whatever, if you shared somebody to share this merit with of the day, today at the end of the day, recollect that person and reflect on were there moments when you actually brought that person to heart when, and that actually helped you to do something maybe in a slightly different way than you would have done it Um it may or may not work. You have to figure out we're all different and we all have different skills and different things that work for us. So we all have to kind of find the things that are, are going to keep us going, keep it fresh, re refresh our practice, reignite our practice. Um, when we first come to it often, we're, the practice we're, usually, we're oftentimes, um, we have experiences and it's just so new to us that we're, enthusiastic and really highly inspired. And I know for me, some of the meditation that I had, I didn't really know what was happening, but I was having some really good calm meditations. And, um, uh, then I went through long periods where I couldn't even get back there. (laughs) So I remember thinking, I asked this monk in Thailand once, I said, well, I just wonder, you know, I had I had, in the beginning, I seemed to have these meditations and I experienced some peace and calmness, but that seems to have been gone. Do you think I've burned up any past comma that was encouraging those good meditations? And he was like, don't worry. (laughs) As somebody else told me, they were surprised he actually answered the question. But I, I think he could tell I was just, it wasn't like predict the future for me, it was more like, I'm I'm really concerned about this. Do you think I burned up my good any good merits that I had? <laughs> and he was like, don't worry about it. Just keep going. <laughs> so, you know, we all need encouragement too <laughs> because we tend to we do tend to undermine ourselves and um tell ourselves the stories that oh, I just thought this isn't working. I'm not doing it. But we actually often miss the ways that we are benefiting and because sometimes they're quite subtle. And Because we're always in the midst of them, it's not so clear to see. Maybe ask the people close to us, what do you see? Do you see things? anything changing? And they can give you some feedback from a a different perspective because they're looking from the outside. It's much more difficult to actually see it from our point of view because we're so in the middle of it all. And we're also seeing all those thoughts that come up that we don't want anybody to know about. (laughs) And... um, (laughs) that we know now we don't have to buy into, but the mind does spit out some pretty interesting things sometimes. But they're not us. It's not myself. It's not me. And the practice also helps us to realize, I don't have to buy into that thought. I can choose to buy into this one because it's leading me in a direction that I would like to move in because I know when I've moved in that direction, the experience has been that i felt either a lightness or maybe even joy, maybe even happiness. Um, Maybe I've felt a kindness that wasn't there before. So it's really, really important to bring these things into our practice. And this thing about impermanence, just reflecting, that's just a normal thing that everything we do, we don't know for sure, that uncertainty. Lumpur, that was something he said all the time, Lumpur Cha, Lumpur Cha. He said, my name, if anybody speaks Thai in here, I'm sorry, I'm probably abusing it, but I think my name, it just means uncertain, don't know. And so he used to bring that into his practice a lot, don't know. When you're sitting in meditation and you have this thought, don't know. <laughs> um, really useful just to remind ourselves of that. But then remember that sometimes we bring it here, we have to keep remembering to bring it into the experience. And when we notice that we've kind of missed that, then it's, a, it's our reminder to come back. So I learned a lot when I went in and saw Mary laying there, and um, she had just had a reaction to some medicine. So she was doing really well the night before, and they'd given her some medicine, and she'd had this reaction. It was a, one of the potential side effects. And apparently she had the TV on and the Oscars were on, and she was already starting to kind of hallucinate and things, and she kept standing on the bed the nurses were having had quite a night, <laughs> apparently she was standing on the bed, and she was going that 's my Oscar <laughs> 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 and um, she was on, and uh, she had a <laughs> she had a, a a catheter because so she had a bag for because she wasn 't able to get up and go to the toilet and she kept also trying to get up and go out of the room, and that's what happened is she, she moved really fast, and the nurses didn't get there in time, and she fell and hit a corner where the toilet was in her room, and that's why she had the black eye, and that's also why they had to kind of... It wasn't mean. They were just trying to protect her from herself, but um, she came through it, and I came through it. It was quite a jolt, quite a shock, even though I was certain that I was ready for anything, and I wasn't, and I was kind of, like, stunned that I wasn't because I was telling myself, be prepared for anything, but I wasn't prepared for that. But that's okay. I saw that. I learned from that. And that's what we, that's what we take in this practice, is we're um, not criticizing our experiences, but the recognition that we're human, and we forget. And we're doing this practice, and give yourself kudos for staying with it, for being willing to to look at those things that we do that we that we forget, and then also another useful thing is just to learn to laugh at some of them. I can laugh at that now, but it took a while <laughs> because it was uh, it was so shocking to me. Uh, humor is a really really good thing to bring into practice because really everything that we do you know it's our opportunity to grow our opportunity to learn Um, and in the process some of the foundations that we use that kind of help define some constraints just to give us guidance um, are things like the precepts and we're going to refrain you know the precepts are not commandments we're going to refrain it's it's just we're making our best effort to refrain from taking something that isn't ours and when you first take that on, you kind of start to realize, not exactly, I wasn't stealing it, but I, it, nobody invited me to do that, and I, I just assumed. So you start to look at it, and you start to see behaviors, and it's its a really beautiful thing to just start to hone in things. And, um, you know, I'm, don't, I don't slap at mosquitoes anymore, and I, I don't think I could anymore. Um you know, it's little things, but we're giving ourselves guidelines to help us to shape ourselves, give us guidelines that help shape our day. And then as we practice in things of the day, those are the things that help define certain moments that we have to make a decision of how, what direction we're going to go. We can use that kind of thing as the guidelines to help us keep on a at least to keep in a certain direction. We may wander a little bit, but we're really making the effort to stay on this path. And... Um, it's a beautiful path, and I know in the beginning it feels like we're, we're not learning, we're not making progress. We seem to get duped by the same things, but what I've found after, I mean, I've been, my first retreat was, I was young. <laughs> it was uh, 1986, and, um, but it's still a lot to learn, but when I look back, I go, yeah, but I've learned a lot. I've learned a tremendous amount, and yes, I still feel irritation. Yes, I still feel this. I can have some feelings that are not wholesome necessarily, but through the process of of um, looking at the feelings of how it feels when I go this way, and how it feels when I go that. What are my options? How can I do this? And learning that I can make a choice, that I have a choice in the matter, and it actually is my choice, then what I find is a lot of those things that used to push me and I used to feel were were me, and I that was just the way i was they don't have that hold anymore they don't have that grip and yes i can still see some thoughts that maybe aren't wholesome but i've noticed now sometimes they move they move through much more quickly and i understand much more fully when like the tibetans talk about just the clouds in the sky moving over that obscure our true nature i have a i have a bit more understanding of what that is what that's like And then that, in turn, encourages me to stay with it, to keep going, to be a little bit gentle with myself when I make a mistake and to try to take it and turn it so that I'm learning from it rather than putting myself down or or berating myself. It's just taking that experience. What can I learn from that? And how can I keep moving on? Don't get stuck. Not get stuck. So those are just some, some words of encouragement for you all. You have a wonderful center here. I, I really love coming here. It's a really lovely center. And I'm just, yeah, encourage you to stay with it, to pick up the tools that are helpful. Remember that you have a toolbox. Take them up, try some for a while, and then put them away as you can and pick up something else and work with that for a little while. Have your, your friends. Your friends in Dhamma are really exceptionally important because... They're the ones that you can trust. I mean, you come in here and I feel a sense of trust. And some places you you don't feel that. But here's a place where you're with people who are like-minded, who share similar, maybe similar aspirations or things that are similarly important in their life. And that's what helps us to come back, to stay grounded. And believe me, like yesterday... I'm sitting up here and I'm sharing my experiences and my reflections but I'm benefiting from what other people are sharing with me as well and just benefiting from other people taking on this path and and walking this path together and uh, maybe we're all in different places um, probably some of you are way ahead of me <laughs> but um, but we're walking it together and so we support each other in this so just really encourage you to stay on. Do what you can do. Think of ways that you can do to keep bringing aliveness. Be creative. Br- figure out what works for you. Keep bringing new things to it to keep it alive, and um, and understand that there's times when it feels very flat, but it's it's a worthwhile thing to stay with, and um, yeah, just words of encouragement for you. So.